Okay, let's pray one more time. Lord, as we come to you, I pray that you would enable us to hear you and to know that you are here among us. Give us grace to have our ears and minds and hearts open so that we would know you better and therefore love you and serve you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Christians have always been accused of having some pretty strange beliefs. Back in the Roman days, they accused Christians of cannibalism because we would come and we would eat what we call the Lord's Supper and eat his body and eat his flesh. You know, when you think of it like that, that's gross. I mean, who, who wants to think about that? And then, you know, all the way through the 2,000 years this group and that group would believe some strange things. I mean, if you want to really start reading some weird stuff, just read what people who call themselves Baptists believe. I'm telling you, there's some strange beliefs out there. But one of them that has probably felt or sounded the weirdest in the last 200 years since the modernism has swept the West, is the idea that there is some Holy Ghost. That there's some spirit out there. And we're not really sure if it's like Beetlejuice in the 80s. Do you guys remember Beetlejuice? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Does the Holy Spirit possess you and make you do weird things? Is it What, what is this whole... Holy Spirit thing. And then, oh my goodness, you can get some people who call themselves Christians who believe some pretty wacky things about the Holy Spirit. Am I right? So, we as Christians need to answer from at least a couple of different directions what is the Holy Spirit and what is it, in fact, that we are supposed to relate to Him or with Him? or What is this all about? And so I want to answer the question in a calm, very easy tone, understanding what it means to be filled with or to walk in the Spirit. You heard me this morning if you were here as we were talking about New Year's resolutions and how we should go about thinking about and then making plans to grow in godliness. You heard me say, among planning and among discipline, you need to add this idea of walking in the Spirit. Because if you don't, one of a couple things will happen. I'm kind of rehashing a little bit from this morning. One thing that will happen is you'll end up being what Jesus called a whitewashed tomb. You'll just suck it up and you'll do it because you need to do it and it'll make you this self-righteous jerk, frankly, that no one wants to be around because you were able to do something for God. That is the wrong idea. You might also um, succeed in a, in a sense, you might actually be able to do some good, but you'll always have this frustration. You'll always have this internal fight to do, quote-unquote, the right thing. 
So I want to talk about tonight the third option. What does it look like to walk in the Spirit so that you can do those things you need to do so that you can actually think about and plan and intelligently decide how to do things. And then you can, in fact, exercise the discipline that is necessary if you're going to accomplish anything worthwhile. But doing it all the while walking in the Spirit. This morning, I said to depend on or walk in the Spirit is to consciously consider God, to think about God, to have God on your mind and on your heart as you do whatever it is that you're doing. We gave a couple of examples. One example we said, well, let's, let's say your goal is to read through the Bible this year. Well, you can do it. If you read... Four chapters a day, you will read through the Bible in a year. And you can just gut it out if that's how you want to do it. Or, let's say your goal is to be more disciplined in your prayer. Well, you can do it. There's people who pray all over the world who believe all kinds of things and they do it. But what we're talking about is consciously thinking about God while you're doing what you're doing, all the while... And here, here's the key. Trusting that He will guide you as He promises to do. Trusting that He will enable you to be disciplined, to be thoughtful in your processes. And as you do this, as you walk thusly in the Spirit, you will be able to be more disciplined. You will be able to be more thoughtful and productive and to grow, as we said several times this morning, in godliness. So I want to look at several verses tonight. Really, four main verses, but we're going to throw a couple more in there because I want to show what walking in the Spirit is how you don't do it. And then I want to look at a few verses on how you do it. And then I hope to give you an illustration that will stay with you as it has with me for decades. The first word I want to look at is Galatians 5.1. Paul writes to the Galatians, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The first thing I want you to catch, if you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to be the kind of person who naturally has communication with God so that you can do these things that please Him, don't submit to those things that make you a slave. Now what are we talking about here? Well, we need to understand this concept of slavery and or excuse me, freedom and license. License is, hey, I have the freedom to go down and buy, you know, a 24 pack of beer and just drink until I can't drink anymore. I have that. I'm legally allowed to do it. I'm physically able to do it, but that's using freedom for licentiousness. It's using freedom for what will ultimately destroy you. Freedom is being willing and able to do that which is best. Freedom is being willing and able to do that which is best. 
Because there's a lot of things that you are free. There's a lot of things you are able to do legally and physically that will make you a slave. What, what are those things? What, what, how can we think about these things that will inevitably make you a slave? Because, oh my goodness, there's a lot of them and I have no interest in trying to make a list of what they are. But what kinds of things will make you a slave. Anything that acts like a God. If you've been with me long enough, you've heard me say this before. But the job description of a God, what a God is supposed to do is to provide, protect, and give purpose. The job description of something or someone that wants to be a God is to provide, to protect, and to give purpose to the one who is his subject. And Pastor Benji frequently reminds us not to allow godly things, so-called, to become a substitute God for us. So, therefore, reading your Bible is a worthy goal. I encourage you to do it. But if you make that your God because you think that's what's going to win you a place in heaven, I'd rather you skip it. If praying every day and being more disciplined in prayer is a worthy goal, go for it. You should. But if that somehow is what's going to provide for you and protect you and give you purpose as if it's some you know, uh, good luck charm, I'd rather you skip it. Because that's not what's going to save you. Jesus is what's going to save you. And He is the one who will give you the grace you need. But there are obviously also many ungodly things. And again, I don't want to go through these. But I want to give you a question to ask yourself. When you believe that you are free to do something, whatever that something is, ask yourself this question. Can I give thanks to Jesus for this? Whatever this is. And I don't even, you know what, I'm not even going to give you an example because I'm sure that you all can think of examples. And see, the problem with examples is as soon as I give you one, it can become legalism. If I say, for example, don't buy a 12-pack of beer, well, that's legalism because nowhere in the Bible does it say not to, you can't buy a 12-pack of beer. It says don't get drunk. And I'm old enough, I've been doing this long enough to know that each and every person in this room has our own flavor of sin that just draws us. And as soon as I start throwing out examples... Ah, that one doesn't hit me. Ah, that one doesn't hit me. So, I'm good. I'd rather leave it as a question. Can I give thanks to Jesus while I'm doing this? Whatever this is. And if you can say yes, ah, go for it. Be my guest. Bring, as long as it brings glory to God. Second verse in the same chapter, Galatians 5.16, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, we're getting somewhere. Here's, here's the verse where we get this phrase, walk by the Spirit. But he doesn't end there. He says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I, gave you, I just gave you some 
pointers on how not to gratify the desires of the flesh, you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with. But I want to give you, I want to give us, myself included, another way of looking at it. Do not merely gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, pastor, watch out. You're adding to God's Word. Okay, well, hear me out on this. Hear me out. Do not merely gratify the desires of the flesh. Changes this just a little bit. And here, here's how it works. If I am buying clothes for my children, for example, I am gratifying the desire for them to be warm. It's cold out there, right? You've got to have clothes. You've got to have food. Well, if I'm going to buy food, I'm not going to buy pate. I mean, it's cat food. Why do, why do people eat that stuff? You know? I'm, I'm not going to go buy shrimp because shrimp is disgusting. And I'm certainly not going to have mayonnaise with it because that's even worse. All right. Y'all le- need to learn how to be godly here. If I'm going to buy food, I'm going to buy food that is nourishing and that I like. Right? So, am I gratifying the desires of the flesh when once in a while I go buy some tri-tip and throw it on the grill in the backyard? You might be able to make that argument. But hear my argument back. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6-7, he says, as for the rich in this present age, it's looking bad for tri-tip so far, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Okay, so don't set your hope on money, but on God, and God is the one who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And I'm going to say that includes tri-tip. Thank you. I need an amen. And I've got at least two Chet Harders in this room who will say that also includes coffee. So enjoy your coffee. Enjoy your tri-tip. There's, this is why we as Christians have fallen into what's called asceticism and we think, oh, all I can have is bread and water. No. It's not what we're saying. We're saying don't merely gratify the desires of the flesh. And if that verse doesn't work for you, Proverbs 24.13, My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. I like honey. And we have honey in our pantry. It's always there because my wife or I make sure that it stays stocked because it's good. Am I gratifying the desires of my flesh? Maybe. But let's go back to the question we just asked ourselves. Can I thank Jesus for honey while I'm putting it on my cornbread with some butter? You bet. You bet. Cornbread, <laughs> butter, honey, a little bit of chili. Mm. Now we're talking. Can I give thanks to God for this? Because if while I'm eating my cornbread and honey, while I'm eating my oatmeal and honey in the morning, can I depend on God to enable me to have this food nourish my body so that I can go out and do the things that I need to do. You bet. 
And my friends, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but this gets to the point. Look, when you're eating your breakfast in the morning, when you're eating your dinner at night, to walk in the Spirit is to consciously think about, I am eating this so that I can go out and glorify God with the strength that it gives me. And the strength that food gives us is not only physical. We need that. We need to be strong mentally and physically. But it's also emotional. That's why we eat tri-tip instead of hot dogs all the time. Eat your hot dog every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that. But eat your tri-tip because it not only nourishes, nourishes your body, but it nourishes your soul. Man, some good, medium, rare tri-tip. Sweetie, what are we having for dinner tomorrow? I have an idea. <laughs> Last verse I want to talk about in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, now Paul's taking this metaphor of walking in the Spirit. He says at the beginning, we need to stand firm, and then he talks about us, we need to walk in the Spirit, and then he tells us we need to keep in step with the Spirit. This is actually a lot simpler than you might think. To keep in step with the Spirit is to do the things that the Spirit wants you to do. It's not rocket science. I've said this many times. Christianity is simple. It is not complex. Christianity is also not easy. Because doing what we know to do isn't always easy, is it? I mean, let's be honest. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how often do we know what it is we should do or know what it is we shouldn't do and we go ahead and not do it or do it anyways? Oh, yeah, that happens to me every day. I won't ask. Thank you. There's a couple of more honest people in here. But the point is, usually our problem isn't not knowing what to do. And even when those times come up, we've got godly people and people who have walked this road farther than us who we can ask. We can call them up and say, how do I get through this? But I want to give you one, one passage because this is also a slam dunk passage on knowing what it is to keep in step with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5, 18-21. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want you to see what... Paul says we are to do if we're filled with the Spirit. He begins in verse 18, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That is simply wasteful living. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, melody to the Lord with your heart. Except for me. Don't do that with anybody else in the room. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Or as we said over and over again this morning, in honor of the Lord, which is exactly what he's saying here. Now, this is just a really quick and dirty example. This isn't a lot of rocket scientists, science here. You don't have to really think about this one hard. But it's telling you 
address one another in psalms. Speak God's Word to one another. Encourage one another. Sing in your heart. Because this life is a hard place to be and sometimes we just need to find some encouragement and song does that. Give thanks always and for everything. Oh my goodness, if you and I just worked on that in 2016, we would be light years ahead of where we are right now. And then submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, what these verses tell us is they tell us a couple of things. They, they give us this question, can I do this and give thanks to the Lord at the same time? That is a great place to start when you're asking yourself, am I indeed walking in the Spirit? And then ask yourself the question, am I doing what the Holy Spirit wants me to do? And the Bible is chock full of ways that we can go about being better men and women of God because we are actually listening to what God is saying to us. It's not about the rules per se. It's about the owner's manual or the instruction manual of how this machine works. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And when you are doing these, then you will be, in fact, disciplining yourself correctly to, because you've got to if you're going to read the Bible through in the year or if you're going to join a gym and actually make it work or if you're going to pray more effectively. And it enables you to be in connection to God Almighty who has come among us. And now I want to give you a pretty effective illustration. I've got a glass here. This was given to me years ago. Now, I am not a milk guy. Milk, milk to me is one of those kind of necessities. Unless, of course, you have fresh chocolate chips on the table. Ch fresh chocolate chip cookies on the table. Anybody with me on that? Yeah, then if, if we're talking about that, we, we've got something going here. But you got this milk. And you look at the milk and pretty easy to tell. If you smell it, I don't smell anything. But it looks, it smells, and yep, sure enough, it's milk. It's, it's not really that hard to see and kind of boring, if you know what I mean. But then, you got this little beauty. This little beauty is one of those great inventions of the modern world that turns something ordinary into something great. This is life. The chocolate milk is the Holy Spirit. You put the chocolate milk in there and... Oh, wait. It's not chocolate milk, is it? It's just kind of ordinary milk that has a bunch of glory at the bottom.
when I teach this to the Iwana kids, this is my favorite part. Mm. There is something about fresh chocolate milk. To be filled with the Spirit is to be a Christian. And when you become a Christian, when you begin to trust the promises of God for you in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And you have the chocolate milk into you. You are forever something completely different from the ordinary run-of-the-mill milk that you buy at the Walmart grocery store. But it's not until you start trusting the promises of God for you in Christ on a daily basis. It's not until you start to understand what it means to orient your mind towards Jesus and say, Lord, I want You to be a part of this day. I want You to be a part of this meal and this this." Night as I sleep so I can be strong for tomorrow. I want You to be a part of all that I'm doing so that all that I'm doing is not a waste. My friends, to be filled with the Spirit or to walk in the Spirit is to constantly have the Spirit stirred about you so that you are indeed different. And everybody around you will know it. How do you do this? You begin, you start tonight. You start right now. And you say, Holy Spirit, I want You to be a part of this. Now you know what's going to happen? You're going to walk out that door and you're going to forget all about it. You're going to start driving down the road and someone's going to cut you off and you're going to think, ah! Oh, maybe that was too much confession. I'm sorry. (laughs) And you're going to forget that you've got the chocolate in you. It's okay. You know what? Jesus has a thing for that. It's called confessing your sins and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me do better. It's a process. As I said several times this morning, growing in godliness is taking several, many, small, incremental steps. That is the only way for growing in godliness on this side of eternity. There is no magic pill. There is no shot that you can get. There is no thing that you can do like going to church every day. None of that works. It's the small, incremental step. Sometimes you get pushed back a little bit. But being filled with the Spirit is constantly saying, Jesus, stir me up. And that is what's going to help you in 2016 become more and more the man or woman that God has created you to be. Let's pray for that Spirit. Lord Almighty, I pray that You would indeed be with us now. I pray that You would give us grace. Grace to feel You, to, to be guided by You. And Lord, I know that doesn't mean flashing lights, or maybe it does for some, but not for me. God, I pray that we would continually ask for and receive the grace 
of God to become more and more dependent, more closer and closer to you so that you will be pleased, you will be honored, we will rejoice, and your kingdom will grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.